0: Your skin is telling your body story it's telling the story of
1: what's going on inside that was kylie kavako Rec. this is marnie sellep thanks for tuning into my podcast marnie on the move each week i will be inviting interesting innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story you will discover and hear from thought leaders experts influencers and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness sports beauty fitness fashion and more Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, and welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. As always, thanks for tuning in and all your great feedback on the podcast. I appreciate your DMs and questions on social and keep those emails coming. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy. Scroll through the list of Money on the Move podcasts on your app. Click on Write a Review. Share what you like about the podcast, your favorite episodes, and what inspires you. Also, tell your friends to listen. Email them a link. Post it on your social platforms and tag Marnie on the Move. Spread the love. Also, head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, and sign up for our newsletter, The Download, to find out about upcoming events and summits this summer, great deals, offers, and giveaways. Now, on to today's guest. There is great irony in the fact that the moment you start to feel comfortable in your skin, it begins to sag. These are the wise words from today's guest, the game-changing beauty entrepreneur, Kylie Cavaco-Reck. This was the quote Kylie wrote on her Knocking on 40 personal Instagram account that set the tone and the vision for her beauty career in motion. Kylie cavaco Rec, founder and creator of Knockout Beauty, has pioneered an all-new concept and approach to beauty with the advent and launch of her 360-degree full-service beauty business that encompasses highly in-depth, one-on-one skincare consultations, curated online and brick and mortar retail spaces and activations, and a movement of conscious beauty for the modern-minded. Through her own fascination with skin and beauty, her personal skincare journey, and her willingness to spend years researching physiology, ingredients, formulations, and even the way hormones affect our complexions, Kylie wanted to share her expertise and knowledge with women everywhere. What began with her inspiring, empowering, witty, and beautifully curated Instagram feed, and her comprehensive knowledge of skincare and life experience has blossomed into the ever-evolving and expanding Knockout Beauty. On this episode, Kylie and I converse about how her personal skincare journey has shaped her beauty career. Growing up in New York City, immersed in a world of high fashion and beauty, she shares key learnings and inspiration from her visionary creative parents. We talk about the Instagram account that has cultivated a community and tremendous following, the joys and challenges of entrepreneurship, and of course, we touch upon a few skincare topics. I hope you enjoy. But before we get started, today's episode is fueled by Sun Potion. I am such a huge fan of their super high-quality, organic, tonic herbs, mushrooms, and superfoods. I have been using a variety of their transformational foods and supplements for the past three years. They have been major game changers for my overall health and wellness. Lately, I have been using the pine pollen and ashwagandha for hormones and balance, chaga for my immune system, and my favorite, cordyceps, for extra energy pre-workout. I simply add them to my coffee or my smoothie every day, and I'm on the move. Head over to their website, Sumpotion.com and use the code MarnieOnTheMove for 10% off. Now, on to the episode. So tell me about Knockout Beauty. Knockout Beauty is, we call ourselves
0: conscious beauty for the modern-minded, which means that we are really conscious that we are in a world where products are strong, they are really active, they are also highly engineered at this point if they're going to be effective. So we also say where beauty meets efficacy is our other tagline. And I think what we like to really focus on is result-driven products. So often when people think about result-driven products, they think they're laden with a bunch of chemicals or toxic ingredients. That's not what we believe in. So that's how we arrive at Conscious Beauty for the
1: modern-minded. So tell me about some of the products that you have at Knockout Beauty. I feel like
0: at this point, we've become really a skincare store, which is accurate. We have a lot of skincare, and I do believe that is our specialty. We have a lot of great beauty tools. We do actually carry makeup, which I think people are surprised to know. But we do. When they go in the store, they're like, oh, God, there's makeup here. How great. Um, We carry a lot of body products, actually, as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Although I do say it's a neck-up operation. Um, (laughs) But it is – we do carry a lot of body. And we carry hair, too. But it's really about products that are not everywhere. Some of them are. Some of them – I mean, we – Obviously, we love Vintner's Daughter mm-hmm. and we love Agent Natura that are everywhere. But that's because they fit within our ethos and they're also amazing brands to work with that um,
1: perform. So what's the discovery process for you then if you're looking for brands that are sort of not everywhere and more indie? So I would not say they're indie, although okay. that's.
0: But I, but I actually think that that's a distinction that I like to point out, right? So that we're not... A lot of our brands are actually driven by a doctor or by a founder that is a very, that they are a seeker. So a lot of it is, to be honest, ingredient driven. Not necessarily meaning that I'm looking for a specific ingredient as an example, but there might be a moment where I will be researching, let's say, a vitamin that I'm interested in really making sure we have a good dose of, so let's say a vitamin C situation. So then I'll start looking for brands that have incredible vitamin Cs. And that sort of gets the discovery going a little bit or stem cells or things like that.
1: So where did it begin for you? Some,
0: if I speak to an astrologer, they say in the womb, um, because I am a Taurus. But um, no, beauty probably Uh began for me (laughs) probably as an adult in a weird way, or even maybe let's say as a, a later teen. And that doesn't mean that I wasn't exposed to it. It just was not what I thought I knew about until I realized. I think beauty takes a second. Mm-hmm. There's a lot behind it. It's not, it's a different animal, I think. Or the way I saw it was not just, you know, I had a little caboodles box when I was 12. Right. I thought that was really cool. Um, but it wasn't that. It was really more of like the beauty that I that I think is this beauty happened older But when I was little, I was always on set with my parents um, when they were, you know, my dad's a stylist. And so I was either backstage with him or I would be when they were doing producing fashion shows, or I would be kind of honestly, when you're a kid on a set, the people you hang out with are the hair and makeup. That's where I learned a lot of things. So that in that way, but skincare didn't come into play really until I got a very bad case of acne. As an 18-year-old. And I think that that was really when it started to happen. And I was put on Accutane. And I think that that was the beginning of what this looks like now because I was putting something in my body to change the outside of my body, which was a new concept to me. And then just really looking at how it was affecting me as a total being. You know, and when you take Accutane when you're 18... And you're a girl, you have to have pregnancy tests in order to get it each month. So you're having a pregnancy test at 18 and, you know, I wasn't having very much sex. So let's say like <laughs> that was a very strange paradigm. So I think that that was the beginning of that conversation. Were you on Accutane for a long time? I was on Accutane, I think, for a year. Okay. Which feels long. Yeah. Yeah. Or any somewhere any in time home. is long. Anytime is long. And by the way, if I didn't have my beauty routine that I right. have in place, I would break out. And I've tested that, so I'm positive that's
1: true. <laughs> so what do you use now? Like, what's your beauty routine?
0: My beauty routine primarily consists of making sure that I get, just like how I eat, I get my vitamins every day, right? So my, my routine always has a bit of A in it, a bit of B in it, a bit of C in it, a little bit of E, and then peptides and, you know, really making sure that I'm nourishing my skin. So it's not necessarily product for product that I can say like, this is what it is
1: every day, but I'm always getting my serving, my daily serving of. Right. So you're focused on the ingredients, like your brand. Exactly. Like your store. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about your store. It's in New York. It's in the Hamptons. Yes. Tell me more. Where can I shop? You can shop um, in store, online, over the phone
0: remarkably that's actually where a lot of our clients find us is over the phone because there's so much of what we do is consulting and really helping people navigate it because I think so much what the way that people find the brand is often through Instagram so there's a lot of education there and people are still looking for that education they're looking for that community with me or with the brand itself so they call the store which is great.
1: Speaking of Instagram, when did you start
0: Knockout Beauty? Well, I originally started Knockout Beauty as an Instagram that was called Knocking on 40. Right. And that felt a little limiting for the name of a store, though, I must say.
1: I thought it was so interesting and well-named. Honestly, when I saw Knocking on 40, that is exactly around the time when I started really thinking about my skincare, which is really bad. And I know that that's bad. Because you should start thinking about it when you're twenty. Right. Yes. And yeah. I mean, I think the thing
0: is is that I think you should be thinking about your skincare honestly from the moment you're born.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, mean,
0: truly because it is your largest organ, right. right? Knocking on forty kind of came into being because um people would say you look really great. What are you doing? And I was like, I look all right for someone knocking on forty. And so that was just my catchphrase. That's what I said. Um and then the Way, I was experimenting with the way that Instagram looked at the time and how people posted and what it looked like. So I would it would be like two pictures and then a quote. And that was sort of how – I actually started with a quote. Um, but I felt like quotes – just a whole stream of quotes might be boring. I don't have that much to say. Your
1: quotes are so funny. Thank you. My very first – Do you have – yeah, what was your very my first My very one?
0: first one was um, – which was why I started it. I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm thinking, i got a pretty nice life. i got some nice kids why do I look like this? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I love what's going on in my, I'm so happy with who I am. I'm finally comfortable in my skin and it is sagging. So I got on Instagram. I wrote it actually on the pages doc and I put a little marquee around it and I wrote something. It's, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's almost this. It's like, there's great irony in the fact that the moment you become comfortable in your skin, it begins to sag. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. And I didn't know at the time to like watermark it or do things like that because who did, you know,
1: you didn't put a hashtag on your... I had two followers. Yeah. I like
0: got on there and someone was like, oh, I think I'll follow that. I was like, I have two followers. That's so I just started. I went to the bathroom and now I have two followers. I was so excited. And then actually, um, I started and then I had like 100 followers um, like within an hour. And it was just organic. I mean, you posted it... I have no idea how anyone found it. I don't even think I hashtagged. I mean, I don't even think I knew what I was doing. Um, But, and then by... Um, so I started, I think, in July and then by September, which sounds like a lot. First, I was like, oh my gosh, I have 200 followers. I have 300 followers. Oh my, I have 400 followers, 500 followers. I don't even know 500 people. I have 600 followers. Wow, that's amazing. And then I hit 1,000 people. I was like, hmm, that's fascinating. And then I think I got a little nervous. And only because I realized that I was talking to people other than people that I knew. Right. Right. And I started to feel like it was important that I didn't know these people, that if they heard a voice, that it felt real. And I felt like here I was in my life. I was now at an age where I could be compliant to something that someone told me to do. So, and I was, became a good listener so I could listen to advice well and take it. Um, And no one was talking to me. And I felt a responsibility to speak to people in a way that felt genuine and felt like I was talking to them.
1: And, and were you what were you doing at the time, like for work or were you I was doing brand strategy still. Okay.
0: When I first started the store, I still was doing brand strategy at the same time. So I was a mom with two kids and a store and a business in New
1: York City and a store in the Hamptons. And that was intense the first year. Yeah, that is intense. And before that you were doing brand strategy for for like 15 for other years. E- for agencies or for, um, for yeah, what's your background before you started your company?
0: Well, so I have done so many things. I've mm-hmm. had so
1: many dra-
0: jobs. So many jobs. I'm a, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, actually, until I started doing Knockout. But I think okay. if you do the right thing, you feel like it all made sense mm-hmm. prior. I do actually have to say that I probably am naturally a strategist, like that's part of my personality. So I did actually feel very fulfilled doing brand strategy. I think it was just that I'd reached a point in my career that I either had to then mentor somebody to help me do it or to have a partner or to do something because I'd maxed out in my time and energy. And um, So you were
1: doing it as a consultant? As a consultant. For different brands? Exactly. As, like, almost like having your own company. Yes, well, but although it didn't feel
0: like that, it felt like I was a crazy person running around New York City in a pair of high heels, but
1: yes. Creativity is in your DNA. I'm the least creative of all of us, but yes, they are, they're have—they're pretty mean, amazing. Your my, Instagram's amazing, so you have an you. eye for design. I mean, that's like obvious.
0: I think I might have like, you know, if I was taking an IQ test, I probably have high spatial relations. Um, <laughs> my, um, so actually, I my creativity goes even further back than I think people think it does. My mom's dad was an architect and my mom's mom was an interior decorator and my mom was a fashion editor and a stylist and my dad was, yes, a stylist, but he got all of that kind of love of clothing because my grandmother made all her clothes and she was, it wasn't just like she was making her clothes because they were poor. She was making her clothes because it was chic and she liked to look great. And she was really petite, so it's hard to find clothes. Were you all in New York? Did you grow up in New York? I did grow up in New York, and she was in New York, and she would make all of my Halloween costumes. I had the best Halloween costumes. Every time everyone would like be in a school play, they are like, I want to be in Kylie's school play because my grandmother would make everyone's costume.
1: That's amazing. It was awesome. That's awesome.
0: And your dad was the creative director. He was at Allure. He was the fashion director of Harper's Bazaar, fashion director of Vogue, and he was the creative director of Allure. So he's had a long career.
1: Yeah. And so did and you ever... And still continues to start yeah. every day. <laughs> I was just going to say, he's still doing that. Yeah. He's busier than I am. When you were younger, like, did you ever think like, I want to start my own retail concept, like beauty concept? When you, you I know, wanted to be a maid. You wanted to be a maid? I
0: really liked cleaning. Okay. And I liked vacuuming. And I thought the person that I loved spending time with was the person who took care of me. She was amazing. And I thought that that would be the job. (laughs) to I mean, but that goes to show that like, if you're around a powerful, smart, cool woman, you Mm want to be like them. Right. And she was the funniest, coolest. I mean, she was an amazing dancer and so great to hang around with. And I feel like I got my sense of humor from her and my dad. And I think that that's what I wanted to be because that's what I saw. And then the other person that I saw was my mother who I actually spent an enormous amount of time with when she was alive. She's no longer living. She died when I was 13. But, um, she was, she could, if she thought something should happen, she could make it happen. So like something didn't exist and then it suddenly she would make it happen. That's who she was as a person. So she was somebody, they didn't talk this way back in, you know, the seventies. right? But (laughs) you know, she would see what we now call a white space and she would fill it. And she was also what they now refer to as a kingmaker, which I think is such a good expression, and where she could see somebody and their talent and really, like, create the world around them and the frame around them to really boost them up and put them in the right position.
1: Like a super visionary. Like a
0: super visionary, yeah. I mean, there are so many people's careers. I I don't know how much time you have, but we could talk about the amount of, you know, the careers that she is responsible for. It's mind-blowing.
1: I mean... Stephen Mizell and Bruce Weber, Stephen Sprouse. Really? I mean... I mean, I've heard some um, amazing stories about your mom, like, back in the day. She was amazing. I heard that she was, like, a true visionary and all of those things.
0: You know, it's interesting, I think, as a a child, you miss your mother because Mm -hmm. you just don't have a mom and that's heartbreaking and hard and all those things. And then, like, as an adult, I'm like, there's nobody like her anymore. Yeah. There's nobody who she it's funny I actually had an epiphany today I texted my dad because my dad and I I mean we talk 1700 times a day I, I probably bother him more than I'm actually calling him at this point but I we chat so much and I feel like that has been such a gift in my life and I wonder if sometimes it's because I don't have a mom maybe he makes up for that a little bit but he used to say that she um lived life on the skinny branches and it was his job to allow her to live on the skinny branches and for him to sort of remind her not to look down and it would all be okay. And um, I realized I am not that person. You're not living on the skinny branches or you're not? I probably am, but I don't want to be. (laughs) Um, And I actually think I'm not. I think I'm actually, I think it's my job to allow the women that work with me and for me to live on the skinny branches and for them to feel safe and cared for and like they have that they're empowered to do what they do because there's no way that we'll be able to touch as many people as I would like us to touch and to reach the mission of really having women love the skin they're in if we are not doing it on a bigger scale. It's just not possible to do that. So it's really important that they feel that I'm behind them rather than in front of them. Right. My mom was sort of a pioneer and everyone was sort of behind her, which I think is one amazing and incredible way. And at the time, especially when you think about when she started, I mean, women's lib had just happened. Yeah. I mean, mean,
1: like that was just starting. She started her career
0: in 1966. Women's lib hadn't even really fully happened in the consciousness the way that it happened. Yeah. So it was different. So to be, I mean, to say that she was a girl boss, that expression... Kind of cracks me up, but she, that didn't exist then, you know, but it was like, she was, she was a boss. She had, you know, my dad worked under her, essentially. She was the president. My dad was the vice president. So it wasn't like, you know, everyone, um, hung on her every word, which I think is amazing and incredible, but that's hard in that time period. It was, she was really a revolutionary, but if you were that in that time period, you didn't have children. Right. Right. So she was like, well, not only am I to be a mom, but I'm going to bring my child with me everywhere I go.
1: Right. <laughs> so, hence how we probably, no, you were, it wasn't that time. I met you with your dad. Yeah, but that's exactly, but it, it at, started at then. Was I Bizarre. I still yeah. was
0: following my parents around. It was yeah. bring your child to work day every day. I would yeah. go to, you know, I'd go to their office every day after school. So I think when you ask about like creativity or about, you know, entrepreneurship or whatever being in my blood, mm. um, I think that, I believed that I could run a company at a very young age. I now know that it is so hard and I knew that even before I started it this round. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's grown so slowly because I think running a company is about actually taking care of human beings and you have no business taking care of human beings until you can take care of yourself And you are, and there's a lot to do to get a startup going. And the self care aspect of a startup is not lost on anybody, I don't think. It's really hard. And I think um, we grew to a point that we had to grow. And then we kind of had to wait a second. So it was like, get your oxygen mask on. We got to get all tidied up. Everybody get ready. And then I think that's where when you look at businesses that rise really quickly often, it's because they're well funded. Yes. And so people are allowed and able to do things. But if you're bootstrapping it and doing it yourself and you're self-funding it, um, a lot of that is on you and really on your body, yeah. to be honest. I
1: mean, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to, you do have to remember that it's important to work out or important to get a massage or get a facial or whatever. Do all the things like take some time, go for a run, like do what, you know, and make sure you have routines in place so that you can keep yourself, whether it's a skincare routine or... That's why I started doing
0: what I did. I mean, I realized that... I was so exhausted, I was going to bed, like not taking my makeup off. And I was thinking, oh, this is not a really good idea if you own a skincare store. Right. <laughs> I'm so tired. Well, so you
1: started out with your Instagram and then you turned, like, at what point did you think, now is the time to launch my store? Or to- I think what happened
0: was, so remember I came from the background of a strategist, right? right, so I thought about, people would message me and say, I'd really like to meet you. And like, the quote you mentioned really moved me. At, Can we have coffee? And I thought, no. No, we cannot, that's odd. But I also was compelled to want to meet them. Right. And I thought, well, that's interesting because they all sounded pretty great, to be honest. Um, And I have since met many, 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 many of them, which is really cool. But I felt like I needed a place for that to happen that made sense. And so that was what really was the impetus for starting the first store. So I think I opened a community center.
1: Right. Like a self-help group?
0: <laughs> no, because it's interesting. It's like, I feel like it wasn't so much people kind of coming in and um, chatting about things because the, the tone was set by the Instagram. Right. Like what was gonna go on in there. So people like came and brought their most fun, best, coolest selves, which was really cool. I met some start? of my best friends in my store, which is so cool. And your first store was in New York City? My first store was in Bridgehampton It was there because I felt there was a white space. I felt like there was not enough beauty out there and I would spend my summers there and I felt like I can't even get a face wash I like. So that was, and I don't, I'm not an Amazon consumer in that way. So it felt like I needed to be able to purchase my products somewhere.
1: Right, like you wanted to have that like in-person physical experience Let's be real.
0: I didn't have a mailbox where I lived. Right. So the only way I could get beauty products was either if I went to Kmart yeah. or the pharmacy. And that was it's not fulfilling this girl's like, skincare needs.
1: <laughs> it's like a beauty. There's like There was, well, now your store is there. But yeah, before. but
0: I, there were, and now there are a bunch. Yes. Now there are a bunch. There was,
1: it was sort of. There wasn't even anywhere to get a manicure, pedicure or your there hair was There was one place. It was called the Style Bar. Oh. Um, and I now there's a few of them. But yeah. it's, I think it's, it's just
0: interesting. It's, yeah. I think beauty has taken a different Road as of late, which is really cool. Um, It used to really be sort of the background of fashion. Right. And now it's different. It's its own. It's always been its own industry, but it's its own animal in terms of, I think beauty used to fold into either a, like an apothecary kind of store. Right. Or it would fold into a clothing store. And that was the main event. Although beauty was always on the ground floor, interestingly enough. So I don't know. I feel like beauty is in that way, something that had a sort of groundswell at the time that knockout started.
1: Do you have any favorite products?
0: I love so many products, I have to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean this started because I love products, right? right? So that's that's how we arrived here. I love brands that deliver something a little bit different, but that are really concentrating on the health of the skin. So I feel like, you know, when you look at a brand that is made up of a couple of different pieces that are just sort of what they think the assortment should be because that's the old school way of doing it. I love that like Agent Natour started with the deodorant and then it's like, you know, and now she's doing, you know, bath and a toner, but she it, it didn't necessarily come from a logical place in a way. It came from like, What are the best ingredients that I can find, that I can bring to the table that we're sourcing? So I love Agent Notor. I think it's a great brand. I like brands where there's a female founder I think is nice, although it's not necessary. We are a female-founded company, female-run company. So I do like that whole gig, but I'm not. I was also raised by a guy because my dad, you know, He was my main man. Right. Right. So it's sort of like he really is the one who introduced me to the beauty world because of what he did. So are there certain products that are your go-to products? Everybody needs to know their ABCs of beauty and a little E. So right. You need A is a really important antioxidant. I feel like we talk a lot in this world about things like free radicals, but no one really even knows what they are. Very few people do. For clarity, quickly, free radical is UV, Rays create UV radiation, which create free radicals. Free radicals are an oxygen molecule missing an electron. So it's looking, it's basically scavenging your skin, looking for that missing electron, which the antioxidant donates to the free radical in order to neutralize it. So with that said, if we're saying that, you know, let's say we're going to talk about sunscreen for one second, but it's like if we're saying sunscreen is important, then antioxidants are equally as important. And actually we are born deficient in, A, C, E, because those are called essential micronutrients. And those are defined as things that our body needs, but we don't make in any significant amount.
1: And so there are great products that you can use topically that you can put on your skin, but you can also, there's also things you can eat.
0: For sure. But there's, our diets are not varied enough. Right. And we live in places with pollution and we live in world where we're not consuming it fast enough to to neutralize the damage.
1: Did you feel like, in? I mean, in New York City, there's so much pollution and the air quality. I'm born and raised here. Yeah, so me too. So this
0: dirty city is my favorite place. Yeah. I mean,
1: so I didn't <laughs> so notice, it the, same city, I the notice it the same way. But now you're on the don't notice it the same way that
0: other people do. I don't. I really don't. I remember even like going to the Hamptons for the summer and coming back and people be like, it's so dirty here. And I think, oh, that's pretty gorgeous to me. <laughs> so. That's amazing.
1: So A, B, C... A, B, C, E.
0: I also think that peptides are important. And hyaluronic acid, which is exists in our body naturally, so hyaluronic acid pulls a thousand times its weight in water from the surrounding areas. We all need a little moisture, especially as we age. And so I like hyaluronic every day.
1: Do you do this in your consulting where you sit down with someone and look at their skin and evaluate what products they need? We usually talk about their goals first. Okay. So I talk about really, you know, there's this expression
0: that I say I'm on my Instagram lives at the end where I often say, dream it, map it, work it. And I think about that in terms of skincare, and it's sort of, I look at it, a lot of skincare is based on problem solution. And my approach is more goal and map. So how are we going to get there? So the first question I generally ask is, what are your skincare goals? Because really people come in the store and they say, what do I need? Well, you don't need anything in here. Like there's nothing you need. But if you have a goal, there's many things in here that will help you reach your goal. So that's kind of where that came from. That's like the core
1: of your sessions that you do.
0: The core of the session is really sitting and listening. Mm-hmm. and
1: educating and can people call as well and do a session or is it in person it's always on the phone I okay. actually don't consult oh, you don't in person anymore in person. okay
0: I mean rarely I will I just feel like there's too much going on there's too many moments but also you don't get the before picture that you really need and I think that's our point of difference actually is that you know I feel like before and afters are maybe you know definitely in like a plastic surgeon's office you'll see it before and after or like maybe some estheticians, but not that many. And I think now with the advent of things like Instagram and things like that, there's more before and afters. It feels like a very QVC model, actually. We should probably give them credit. But the idea of a before and after is really not generally associated with a store. That's a great way for us to get the before picture to begin with. But also it's a great jumping off point for me to be able to see. And I can actually zoom in on the picture a lot better than I can invade your personal space. And also I think some people get nervous in person because I'm looking at their skin. So it's a nice way for us to connect and we're not eye to eye and we're just able to chat. There's actually research about children that says that like children speak more to their parents when they're in a car because they're not looking at each other. Oh my God. Or when they're walking side by side and doing something.
1: I'll be driving my partner's daughter to school and all of a sudden she's like chit-chatting away. And I'm like, who are you in the backseat? You know, yeah, asking exactly. me thousands of questions. I'm like, this is awesome. I want to drive her to school every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens, yeah. right?
0: So we think about that and we think about how people find it easier to sometimes connect in a way that feels comfortable to them. Because right. really I'm only there to support them and help them. Right, and I think sometimes it feels I'm definitely not there to point out their flaws. That's not what I'm there to do, and I think people get nervous about that. So it's just a little bit of a, a removal, but also I can really focus on them, right? So we're on the phone, and they're hearing my voice, which generally they've heard on Instagram before, so it feels comforting to them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's just the foil, some you know, for really getting to the root of other things because your skin is your largest organ, so it's telling you what's going on inside. Okay, I think. You have to understand the body in order to understand skin. They're not mutually exclusive. And I think that I understand the body very well. I understand and have researched a lot about the body and about skin and about ingredients. And I've asked a lot of questions of a lot of experts. So we go way above and way beyond what any store needs to be doing. And all we're proposing to you is that there's a higher value proposition of actually somebody guiding you through it. I read a lot of medical papers. I read a lot of journals about ingredients. I read a lot about what we know the body needs. For instance, vitamins A, C, and E. I'm not reading it only as it relates to skincare, right? right? I'm reading it as it relates to cancer, as it relates to the body in general. I'm looking at ingredients from an epigenetic standpoint of being able to change, really. So if we can change the genetic expression, right? then I want to be mindful of it in reverse of that, right? So, um, so things like that I think are really important. And I don't think a lot of people that own stores do that, right? So I think there's that. So I think that that's part of it, but I also think that there's also just really, I've spent a lot of time really researching, but looking and asking and watching.
1: Your approach and philosophy really set Knockout Beauty apart from traditional beauty stores. And I feel like if somebody is listening and they want to do a consult with you, they want to know like why... Well, you're sitting here looking right at me. You have amazing skin. So, I mean... (laughs) But I mean, but we're looking at me
0: unfiltered. Yeah. You're looking at me with no... I mean, it's whatever time of day it is. It's, you know, four. I've not... You know, I've been going since 6 a.m. So... You know, this is what I look like. Probably, you know, I'm dehydrated. I mean, I think, though, the truth of the matter is, though, is that, like, I think when you look at people and you want to follow... I remember the best piece of advice I ever got about my career when I was younger was the woman said to me, look at people that do what you want to do and look at their life also. Look at that because that's really going to tell you a lot. And I said, well, what does that mean? And she was like, well... It's not just about the job you want to have, but it's the life you want to live. And they have to be in sync. And I feel like when people are using the right products, you can see it on their face. You can see that they are committed to what they're doing, what they're talking about. So even, even things like people will say, well, how clean are your products? Well, I could give you my lab results from my parabens and phthalates test, which are apparently the lowest my doctor has ever seen. Some of mine are even registering at zero. He said, do you even clean your house? I said, yeah. He's like, how is that possible? Because literally it's so low and we are not sick ever. And it's well, not good.
1: I did at the same time.
0: I think that so many, you know, I don't put cooked food inside plastic, you know, things like that because the, because the phthalates leach from the plastic. the plastic. Exactly. So I don't leave a water bottle in a car. I often right. don't drink out of plastic and I'm really mindful of my skincare. And I feel like If you are, and this goes back to the question of what is my expertise on this or where does that come from? I think it comes from being a good listener, good at asking questions, but also really being able to have a question in my mind's eye and be able to take it and answer it myself. Right. I think a lot of people might have a question like, well, what do I do about rosacea?
1: Right. And I've never had rosacea as an example. Mm -hmm.
0: And I realized that that was a deficit that I had. So I could have called up every doctor that I had access to because I've seen lots of dermatologists in my lifetime. I've seen many, many estheticians. I mean, that was part of like my coming up. So I really, you know, and having your dad at a lure, you get, you get some good perks. So, but, but you get a lot of treatments and you get, so there were lots of people I could have called and said, you know, tell me a little bit about rosacea. And instead what I did is I looked and did a really deep dive into what it is, like where, and then looked for the links. And that's I probably, my work on rosacea was probably, I think I realized that I didn't have a really strong grasp on it in July of 2016. And I would say that I opened the second store on Lex, December, 2016. So that's July, August, September, October, November, December. I remember that the day before I opened the store was the day that I sort of closed up my dossier on rosacea that I was able to pass on to an employee. I felt strongly enough that I had done enough research on the base of rosacea that I felt like I really could answer pretty much any question about it that felt germane to what we did.
1: So I have a question about rosacea. Sure. Because this is just happens to be in my world at the moment. Tell me. I have a friend who she was just told she has rosacea at 40 something years old. That's very common. So rosacea is actually
0: inflammatory. It's an inflama- It's an inflammation okay. response. So we know that where inflammation comes from is honestly, and I hate to say this, but a lot of it is sort of the breakdown of a system is right. where inflammation happens. And it sounds terrible because it's not. So people will say, well, I didn't always have rosacea. Well, your system was optimized before. Right. So it's that beginning process. There's many types of rosacea as well. Right. So as our hormones shift, that is going to be a, something that's going to happen. I think that's
1: exactly what happened.
0: And I think that what we see with a lot of women is that rosacea comes up like a flare, Mm -hmm. which feels a lot like a hot flash, which looks a lot like a hot flash. But the thing is, is again, your skin is telling your body story. It's telling the story of what's going on inside. A lot of times it doesn't happen in one day. It happens slowly. And that's one of the things that happens. So, but it can also be from stress. And there's a lot of stress for a lot of women in their 40s. It can be whether your pH is on or off. Is you, are you internally alkaline? So your skin actually wants to live in an acidic state, but your body wants to live in an alkaline state. So if your skin is living in an acidic state, rosacea, acne, melasma, all those things are mm-hmm. inflammatory responses. They will come out because
1: inflammation begins in the gut. Right. So it could start with something as simple as her diet.
0: It could easily be her diet.
1: Or it could be stress or hormones. And then in which case there's... All you know, of those yeah, things, yeah. right?
0: And certainly what I realized is i certainly not qualified to go in and tell you what to be doing with your body, but I realize that instead I can tell you what to do topically. So what I like to do, and that's why I love a consult, is I can encourage you to investigate what's going on inside mm-hmm. while also maybe easing it a little bit.
1: She went to the dermatologist actually this morning. Great. And, and? she... So she didn't, this is literally just happened. Like she called me and she said, oh, the dermatologist said I have rosacea. The whole time I've been saying it's probably stress. I don't know. I've worked with a lot of dermatologists in my career. Yeah. And I've heard over, I've written the materials. I've heard it over and over, but like until it like happens to you, you don't really. Me like, too. I knew yeah. about
0: rosacea as a thing that yeah. I hadn't experienced right. exactly. And then, so yeah. I think the thing is, is yes, it's probably related to stress. It's yeah. also probably related to a lack of vitamin A and not enough vitamin A topically, mm-hmm. and also, so that also feeds into your diet, right? If you're eating, right. your, but also then topically vitamin B. So right. it's a couple different things. So it's it's also the combination of it not necessarily making its way from your mouth out to your face. Do you know what I mean? So you yes. might be in, you might be taking it enough it. But a lot of women in their 40s really start to, to be honest, really start to calorie restrict because their metabolism goes down. And then they're not getting enough of the nutrients, the essential micronutrients that you need to preserve your skin.
1: What are some other common things that happen to women in their 40s with their skin? Besa- obvi- besides the, I don't <laughs> I even, I just set you up for like a comedy routine <laughs> yeah, right exactly. now. I just set you up. I'm not going to go there. What are some of the other things? <laughs> the most common people talking, say is I'm yeah. dry
0: <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, oh gosh, dear. It's a neck up. That's how we got to a neck up yeah. operation. That's oh, where that came really? from. Really? Yeah. Every uh, that's a it's a you're not usually only dry on your face right. when you're in your 40s and right. 50s.
1: We're talking um, hormones now.
0: We're talking hormones. Um, so you know the thing is, I think that women in their 40s are a fascinating group of people because by and large, they're really compliant. And so it's not, and they're not usually living really hard lives at that point. They're not, when I say that, what I mean is by the time women are in their 40s, unless they have a real problem, the drinking and drugging isn't really happening. Yeah, that's got to be over by 40. You see what I mean? Like that that out all night thing is not really happening. That whole idea of like, I don't need water. Is not happening as much. I mean, there are people that still say, I don't drink water. What is water? It doesn't taste very good. But for the most part, women in their 40s are aware that they need to take care of themselves. But at the same time, I think it's because they're starting to actually visually see that switch happening.
1: Right. And so is it too late? Now I'm asking for myself. (laughs) No.
0: I mean, I don't know how old you are, but yeah. no. I mean, well, first of all, it's never too late. I mean, there's no moment that it well, maybe when you're not here anymore, but right. there's no moment when you respire and live on this planet that it's ever too late. Because right. what we know is that we have the power to alter things. We know that we may have genetic predispositions, but we now know that there are epigenetics. Mm-hmm. So we know that we can influence the expression of disease. So when we know that. Then we have to look at that and say, all right, if that's possible, then like, can I get rid of a couple of lines and some brown spots?
1: Yeah, you can. Yes.
0: You know? So no, it's never too late.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Did you know that? Oh, I'll ask you in reverse maybe. Okay. Where do you think your body's receptor for making melanin exists? Where's the first place that your body receives the information to create melanin?
1: MM: Thyroid. your eye, the your retina eye?
0: of your eye.: Interesting. So do you know that how people will say, "I look at the sun and I get tan?"
1: Oh yes.
0: That is a real thing, because the melanin production begins when your retina receives the information that you are experiencing UV light.
1: Is this something you've known your entire career or is this something that you recently learned that you think is super fascinating?
0: I have known this the entire time I've had knockout. Really? Yes. So I think, again, I'm a seeker in that way. So those are things I know. So if you want to take care of your pigment in your skin, it's a great thing to wear sunglasses 365 days of a year.
1: That's a really, really good piece of information. I like that. Thank you. Especially as an athlete being outdoors all the time and... If you're an athlete, I would even say
0: for someone who's a runner or something that really doesn't, you don't, you want to be as sort of aerodynamic as possible. There are contacts that have. No, but people wear sunglasses.
1: We all wear, I mean, I've never seen someone running out without sunglasses.
0: It's so funny, people in LA don't wear sunglasses they half don't? the time.
1: Not a lot, no.
0: no. Like they hike without sun. Although people do wear hats hiking in California now. When I lived there 15 years ago, people didn't wear hats. Now everyone wears a hat.
1: Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if it's the, my community of triathletes or runners, but every everyone has sunscreen. Like a lot of people wear SPF. It's one of the things where you get out of the water, you take off your wetsuit, and they spray you with sunscreen before you get on your bike. Like Great. It's a, an amazing thing. And then I think, uh, you know, new There's Balance, a
0: sponsorship opportunity for many brands there yeah
1: yeah there is <laughs> with iron man but also at new york road i think it was new balance has these little packets of sunscreen hmm. that they give out at the marathon interesting so, yeah i mean it's hard to open them but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like the spray on as you run by idea the mist yeah yeah, they could remember those old tanning mists that you were like. Do walk I remember on. them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you like walk, you go to the, I don't know if it was like. No, the you would go salon. into the machine, yeah. you go into they the would...
0: machine, and then you'd like strip down and No, not, go, the tan- t-
1: not the tanning. Bed. No, the, the, yeah, the, the one you. with the spray. spray tan. Yeah,
0: totally. You put your arms up, and then like if you had big boobs, you'd put your shoulders your back because you wanted them to get like, otherwise you got like white moons Totally. Under your... I remember getting a
1: spray tan, didn't know that yet.
0: And I was getting dressed in a very dimly lit room, and I was like,
1: what is that? That's so funny. I remember getting spray tan. White
0: moons under my boobs. Not a good look. And by the way, the bum too. Yeah, mm. you've
1: gotta have a good spray tan shop that
0: you gotta have spray tan game if you're gonna get spray yeah, tan. Yeah, like that's totally. just what it's gotta be. It's not a that's not for like that's not a, a dial it in situation. No. And, and I'm
1: glad that, that being tan is out of fashion now. I used to say I was the
0: palest person and I am everyone is as pale as I am now. I love it. Everyone's like, and I mean that to say, actually, that everyone's their real skin color now, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, like that that's celebrated is kind of cool. doesn't matter whether you're fair or dark or medium or you have olive skin or rosy skin. I love that it's just, it's in to be in gorgeous skin, whatever that means. Like, I, I love that that's the current mode. It's not like I need to be something different than I am. Right.
1: I love that people are into healthy skin. How would I best describe who you are? Obviously, you are a beauty entrepreneur, but I know there is so much more behind your brand. Who are you and what are all your monikers? People, it's actually funny. I think when you
0: are in the mode of kind of connecting with people, people want you to have a title or a thing. You know, like, what is, how do they describe you? What's your, what's your moniker? And I think the thing is, is on some level, I look at people's Instagram and it's like, mom sister, lover, friend, cousin, child. I'm like, oh God. I mean, yeah, we're all of these things, right? So what am I, I think is a hard thing to say. So if you went through, I think there's this New York Times bestseller called Strengths Finder. It is essentially a test that shows up as what your Top strengths are it actually I think is like a constellation of thirty six and my number one strength is strategic. So I would say that I have I am a strategist on some level because I am strategizing the business. I'm strategizing how to get you to your goal. Um, I'm strategizing how to you know make a work day that's only so many hours be many more hours that I need. I'm strategizing how to figure out how to fit in all the things that I try and do to be all my monikers, right? So to be a business owner and to be a mom and to be a wife and to be a friend and to be a consultant and to be a diagnostician and to be someone sourcing brands and to be someone who is intently listening. I was like, oh, that's a lot of stuff I got to fit in a day. So I think many people now, like there was a moment where people were multi-hyphenates. Do you remember that moment? Yes,
1: I do. I remember like there was a segment on the Today Show. Yeah. Slash, the slash, slash, slash. Yeah, exactly.
0: And um, I feel like I've done so many jobs in my life that I could mm-hmm. be a multi-hyphenate. So when I think about like, okay, what am I? And a lot of people want to say like, oh, you're a guru. Like you're my skin guru is what people will say to me. And I think, well, guru just means teacher. Teacher resonates more than retailer, to be honest. But... What I think I am is a community builder. And I think I am a connector of human beings to each other and to themselves. And I think that practice of self-care that I teach is so much about connecting to yourself. And then it's funny because when you do that, just like with fitness and all those other things is people begin sharing it. They get on a new diet. That's why celery juice is so big. You know, people are like, I'm doing celery juice. Everybody do celery juice. It's kind of the same thing. When you start to connect with yourself, then you connect with other people. But by the way, if you're really asking me, I'd probably say I'm beauty entrepreneurs. probably beauty what entrepreneur. I would say.
1: Probably. Yeah, like if I'm trying to put you in a category. If you were like, I mean. You know, you went from like being a brand strategist mm-hmm. and, and helping people and brands come up with how they're going to grow or what their message is or what they're going to look Which like. Which I or, still have to do every day. Right, for yourself now, right? And right. for other people with their skin. If you
0: are yeah. a business owner, you, at some point, I'm the U-Haul driver. I yes. am the... Merchandiser. I am the accountant. I am the. I mean, and then ultimately, you have to figure out what you don't do as well, and then you hire those people to fill that need. But at the beginning, you're doing all of it, and that's what makes you a business owner rather than, I say, a retailer. So, like right. a retailer feels like it's Macy's. I'm a an owner and a founder. Maybe right. that's what I am. Right. Well, you <gasps> are
1: an owner and We've a founder. We've here together. But your store I think that's is actually a in my email signature, by the way. Owner, owner and founder. And founder. <laughs> owner, owner and founder. I could have just looked in my phone. <laughs> Because could have so saved funny. us some time. Yeah. But I mean, I think that like you have these retail locations. Yes, of course. Right? Yes. So there's that. But it's really like one of the many things under the umbrella of Knockout Beauty.
0: So Knockout is really, to me, it's a philosophy. Right. right? So there's the knock, because I think you can be a retailer. You can be, there's tons of beauty stores at this point. But there's a specific way that Knockout Beauty approaches beauty that's very different And part of it is being a retail store, but part of it is also the consults that we do, the protocols that we give you. So there's a whole slew of things that actually make up the world of knockout beauty. There's the personal connection that we have. So everybody, once you kind of get on a protocol, you have another person that's your connect. So it's not just me that you have one of the other skin consultants and we have master skin consultants and we have senior skin consultants. We have skin consultants. We, so we have a whole slew of women that are really qualified to talk to you. Um, And that's one arm of it, you know, and then um, we do treatments as well. We have bespoke treatments that we've created. Everyone has their own skin. So we sort of do something a little bit different for everybody. We have many different types of peels that we do that are high level of efficacy, low level of intervention. So that it's not like you're going to be peeling off into your soup tomorrow, but it will give you that glow and that freshness, but you can't use the exact same peel on everybody. It's going to be a different peel depending upon your skin. Right. Um, And it's our job to use the right one.
1: Awesome. And are you planning to open more locations or? No. No. Such a good question. Were you prepped to ask me that question? I thought, I saw something on, (laughs) I saw something on your Instagram that you were doing events. Right. So that's what I think.
0: I think people, I think the thing is, is that if you're going to have a store, you've got to populate it with brilliant people. I think you have to populate it with human beings that people want to connect with, that people also want to learn from. And that talent is not everywhere and it is not in every city or every state. And I want Knockout to be in every city and every state. So you have to look at how are you going to bring that experience to people. What we are doing is we're doing more of activations in different areas. So they're not necessarily events because they look different. Mm
1: -hmm. So we're
0: going to activate in Palm Beach at the end of this month. And we're going to be activating Connecticut in April. Uh, We activated in... Carmel and LA earlier this year and I think that we are we'll we'll be doing Nashville we'll be doing I feel like there's other cities that I'm missing that are really like actually about to happen Atlanta I feel like there's more Chicago there are a bunch of them and I think what's exciting is now all the cities that I've mentioned for the most part are places where one could have a store but the reality is is that the more we go to places like that And the more those people go and talk about Knockout Beauty to their cousin or their sister or their mother or their whomever, that's how we can then go to places where stores are not necessarily going to open like us. And I think it's really important to be able to not even touch the product, but to see a human and to be able to connect and to trust. And you're very connected to your consumers. I am. I'm very connected to them. And I think that uh, we all are. So thank goodness there's more people than I can even talk to. So that's wonderful. But there, right. you know, it's the best moment in life when like you have somebody that you've trained and then people would prefer to speak to them. It's wonderful. I answer the phone and people really kind of probably do know my voice by now. And they'll say, hi, is Lara there? I go, yes. <laughs> and then I think Lara gets a whole excitement when it's like, hi, is Nicole there? And Nicole's like, and Laura goes, they want to talk to you. And it's exciting when that first happens. And then it's yeah. like, you know, and then Nicole's passing the phone to Mary Angel who's passing the phone to Emily who's passing the phone I mean it's all of it you know and there's a lot of us now I think that's what's exciting about it is that moment of there are a lot of people that represent Knockout Beauty it's not only me Mm -hmm. and the only way to be able to bring it to many people is for that to happen but I think it is important sometimes to keep your DNA and I think that it allows us to expand but continue our DNA to run through the bloodlines.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and it's also, it's a great way to kind of investigate a market and see how many people are there in each city. I think if like, you know,
0: everyone's got a face, right? So I feel like in every market, there's going to be people, there will be knockouts
1: just switching gears and rewinding to where we started. Your amazing and inspiring Instagram feed. I wanted to talk about one of your recent posts that really resonated with me. I'm going to read the quote. Don't stress about people copying you, even if you give them the recipe. The sauce won't taste the same. You are the secret ingredient. Why did you write that?
0: You know, it's a couple things. I think that, you know, sometimes it's like the red car theory. You Mm -hmm. get a red car and then everyone on the road is a red car. Mm Mm-hmm. So sometimes, because if you read the post that's underneath that, I write, I have often chalked up the appropriation of my ideas or practices as collective consciousness or some sort of public domain that I couldn't claim as my own. This is, however, not true. And the amazing women who work with me remind me of this often. The upside is that it keeps me on my toes, keeps me innovating, diving deeper, investigating closer and finding better practices, better ideas, new possibilities. At times, it has stopped me from sharing my knowledge or understanding of skin and the science behind beauty. Well, no more. Someone recently borrowed, in quotes, an idea from my daughter, and she recoiled, just as I do. Correction, just as I did. I have an example to set, so get ready. I'm about to share much more. I'm doing it for her and for you, because in order to fully live my mission, it's necessary. Always remember that you are the secret sauce. So I think what I realized is that, first of all, innovation has to happen at a really rapid rate. And in order to, from my strategic background, in order to keep growing, you have to always be strategically innovating. So that definitely pushes me to go there. But I think that that also that conversation, it's a lot to innovate. It's hard to innovate. Even if you do it well and easily, it's just, there's many people that have one idea. You get one idea. Some Some people have one idea and that's it. When you have ideas and they feel like they're being appropriated or borrowed or used without crediting back to you, and actually someone posted that exact post and didn't tag me on it. And those are my words. Now, what happened is I actually, what's interesting is I did say that it was inspired by Holistic Alley. So I said who gave me those words, but I switched what he said because it didn't really fully apply. Right. So I credited the person that I got it from, but then someone else actually reposted it and didn't give me credit. Before that would maybe bother me, that would maybe give me a sort of like, well, that's annoying or not tag me or whatever. And by the way, the person that did it, ironically, is a client of mine. What's interesting is that when you think about that and you think about that we want people to continue to share their ideas, we also need to remember to just quote them or to share with where- Or just credit them. Just credit them. But yeah, I mean, it's- And so in that way, because I wasn't really exactly quoting him, I was crediting him. And it's similar. I just don't remember even what he said. But I remembered seeing it. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't just say that was my own thought from my own mind. Right. I like to say when I speak to a a group of women about beauty, I say, well, you know what? I'm telling you about the science of beauty. This isn't my opinion. And unless I tell you otherwise, this is the science of beauty. You'll know when it's my opinion. I sort of feel like if it's not my words, I'll let you know. It's not my thoughts. I'll let you know. And I think that when it comes to children, you know, there's this whole movement now of saying like not to ask children like what they want to be when they
1: grow up. Okay.
0: Because it can be limiting and also things change so quickly that like that job may not exist by the time they grow up. But it's also, I think it's not expansive. It's not also imagining that the job that they may have may not even exist yet. My mother used to say, your job will not be in the wand ads. (laughs) <laughs> she was <Yeah>. right. <laughs> um, but I think this idea that if we want people to share ideas and we want people to continue to innovate and move forward, especially when you see a child, have it happen to a child, you realize that you can't just decide to stop if that's who you are, if you're an ideator. So that thing I was telling you about the Gallup strengths finders, right. where I told you I was strategic is my number one. There are other ones are ideation is another one. And I have ideation in one of my top five. So my top five, I think, are communication. My number one is strategic. Ideation, communication, activation, and adaptability. And I think that when I think about those things, right, if you have, and they talk about the whole process is about how they work together. Mm -hmm. So when you, the minute you say, you have an assessment that you're an ideator, if you're an ideator, you need a communicator. Well, if you're afraid that your ideas are going to be shut down or stolen or appropriated or borrowed or whatever sort of softening of the language that we like to use, I think that we stop ideating. And so what I felt was happening for my business is that I felt like it was a disservice to the women that I worked with who were giving me so much and sharing so much with me and it's my job to be the ideator with them and to really bring us to the next place And I can't be stopped just because I feel like somebody borrowed or shared or communicated an idea that was clearly originating with me.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I, it really resonated with me because Mm -hmm. as, yeah, I mean, it just, it was like, I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, she's inside my head because I feel like as an entrepreneur... Nicole, who
0: works for me, thinks I have a camera in her brain. She's like, oh, that's so funny. She's like, how did you know that? What's happening? Where'd you, no, where's are, my implant? I there are
1: some people I think, oh my God, they must be inside my head. Like, yeah, yeah. I, it's crazy, but um, great minds think alike. It, that's what I was going to say, collective consciousness. And that's collective what I wrote in there. Is it's yeah. about, you know, sometimes you can really think
0: it's collective consciousness because it is, we're all feeling similar things. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a difference between feeling a similar thing and, a, and feeling, oh, that resonates Right. Yes. Then also appropriating an idea. Right. But carry on.
1: No. So I just think I've designed and come up with lots of ideas and concepts in my 25 years of marketing and PR before I started the podcast. And there have been so many times where I've had some idea that I've implemented or put into a proposal And then like, wow, somebody's doing it that I actually shared it with. And like, they never hired me or maybe they hired me, but they are doing it now on their own. And that's a different thing. So that, no, well,
0: it's not because actually, but you touch on the beginning part of it. Right. So what I offer to you is that, yes, those are your ideas. And yes, that's, but that's not all you got. No. And it's the universe. Right. Telling you that there's more. And that's sort of the new, that's how I'm looking at it, that there's more innovation to be had. There's a deeper dive to happen because people that have ideas don't borrow other people's ideas. So you shouldn't be worried about them. It's like, great. I, you know, you're going to borrow my ideas. Fine. We're moving on from here. I have 5,000 more. I have 5,000. Right. And you do. And you even said that you even yourself before you even, as you were explaining it, you even said, I had all these ideas. And it's like, the reality is, is that If we are listening to the universe, the universe Mm -hmm. is always talking. Remember they used to say the universe is always talking. We just need to be listening. Yes. And I think the truth of it is, is that if we're stopped by being imitated because we know imitation is the greatest form of flattery as they like to say, then it's actually the universe's way I think of pushing us and telling us that there's more. Mm -hmm. And if we can get behind that and beyond that moment of upset and hurt, we could have the opportunity to really contribute something amazing.
1: That's such a great perspective. Because I honestly, I'm like not sending out a strategy to someone because I'm like, I'm not sharing your, my ideas. You either, but like there's a catch 22 to that, right? Because exactly you have nothing to share ventured, your ideas. nothing gained either. Yeah, but you have to put your ideas out there for people to buy them, right? You must. And you can't stop because then what are you selling? I don't know. That's I mean, just I from think the thing is,
0: that. yeah, I totally do, especially if you're a consultant or you're you're bringing something to the table that's primarily an idea right? and that's your currency. I think that in reality, ideas are a form of currency. Mm -hmm. I think that's why there's intellectual property lawyers, right? right? (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's 1500 people that will be listening to this and they will go and follow the wrong knockout beauty because- There's so many knockout beauties. There's so many people that are like on Instagram as knockout beauty something or knockout something or whatever. And when I started, there weren't the there only no one, one that what's well, funny is the only thing that was av- the only reason that Knockout Beauty wasn't available is Knockout Beauty followed three people but had no picture, no post, no anything. And I haven't reached out to them and nor do I care. About it. I do own the registered trademark right. of Knockout Beauty. And it's interesting because I think that even something like that,
1: where you can also own it. And it's not even yours. Somebody else is squatting on my Knockout Beauty. Well, I think that's, people do that for a living. Like they find accounts that are like... No, I hadn't had it yet. Oh, you didn't?
0: No. So when I went to, I owned Knockout Beauty. Okay. And I owned the website and the domain, but somebody else had had Knockout Beauty as a, an Instagram handle. Right. But they didn't do anything with it, but they don't actually own it. They didn't spend, I mean, for those of you who don't know... In order to trademark, you do need to spend a good amount of money and you do need to pay a qualified lawyer and you do need to do research and you do need to make sure that there are no infringements. And so we went through a really long process of actually getting that name. So it is actually our name. It is a ubiquitous term, Knockout Beauty, but we do own it. And so what's I think interesting about that is just because we own it doesn't necessarily mean that... It gets to always be yours. So meaning that I'd have to go after that person and ask them for it or have to have a brokerage for it. And then it's like, well, what's it worth to you? Well, you know what? It's not worth anything to me because everyone is following the other one. And it's not worth me chasing somebody down for that. right? And it's also... My special sauce is not the name Knockout Beauty at the end of the day. Do you see what I mean? And I think that's what the thing is, is like you just have to remember what is your real special sauce and the end of the day, you are the special sauce. Period, the end, full stop, end of story. It doesn't matter. This has been so awesome.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Email me, move one at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.